time for the Raytown Roundup, where we never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Today's tall tale is sure to amuse, entertain, and lead to laughter, or at least a snicker or two. So sit back, relax, and let's get caught up on what's happening with the folks in Raytown this week. Here comes the Raytown Roundup with your author and storyteller, Dr. Pam Arland. Spring has been coming on in Raytown, but sure enough, there was a chance of snow and even a blizzard this past week. Too bad for Nebraska, but good news for Raytown that the blizzard went north. It's still too early to plant tomatoes, but everyone is already thinking about them. They're wondering what type to plant this year and where to plant them. Maybe they'll try a different variety or a different fertilizer this year. In the meantime, the city put water in all the fountains, which is a sure sign of it being spring at last in Raytown. Now, James has always been a simple and uncomplicated man. His simple lifestyle is due in part to the fact that he grew up on a farm not too far from Raytown. His sister, June, married a man who became a rancher in Montana. This past week, June and her family came to visit James in Raytown. Since the cows were calving, the older boy and June's husband didn't come, but she still came with just five of the kids. They drove up into James's Raytown neighborhood with a huge RV. It actually dwarfed James's house. It might even once have cost more than his house. But, you know, at this point, the RV was, well, worn out and looking a bit haggard. Ranchers never buy anything new if they can cobble together old things, and this RV was definitely cobbled. After quite a bit of effort, they managed to back June's RV into James's small driveway. Now, they could only get out of the RV if they turned sideways and shimmied along the edge of James's house, but it was okay. At least they missed the neighbor's roof by a few inches, so all was well. Now, various Raytown neighbors peered out of their windows and watched all of this going on, but none dared come out. Soon, though, several kids came pouring out of the RV. At this, Betty's Christian instincts kicked into gear. She knew that James, a bachelor, was going to need help. She got out some fruit bread that she had frozen and put a pie in the oven right quick. She began to thaw one of her crisis casseroles. She thought deeply about it and felt that the crisis should begin in, well, about an hour once the kids had gotten past their initial exploration of James's house. She also felt it would be intrusive to go over too early, so she set her kitchen timer for an hour, and she waited. But after about 55 minutes, she just couldn't wait any longer and headed across the street. She rang the doorbell and waited. Nothing happened but there were lots of sounds inside. What should she do? It was a violation to open the door of a place that was not her own, but she knew James needed her, so she cautiously opened the screen door, looked inside, and yelled out greetings. Betty expected to see 
chaos. But instead, she saw James looking happy and chatting with his sister. In fact, all seemed strangely well in the house. The children were all out back happily playing with sticks and shooting their BB guns. The thought of children and guns was a bit alarming to Betty, but she knew that rural families had guns as a normal part of who they were, so she tried to suppress her fears. Hello, I'm Betty. I live across the street. We sure do enjoy your brother. He told us you were coming, she said as she offered her hand politely to June. June hopped up off the couch, grabbed Betty in a deep hug and a hard squeeze and said, Well, my Lanta, this is the real Miss Betty in the flesh, so pleased to meet you. This set Betty at ease and she offered up her fruitcake. James commented, I know you'll want coffee with that, June. The Nespresso machine is over there. Help yourself. June had actually never seen the Nespresso machine and looked at the science experiment machine in the corner and said, Oh, James, you're quite the city slicker. I don't have the slightest idea how to use that contraption. Can't we just have some Folgers? This made Betty instantly like June. Betty produced her thermos of Folgers she had just made and brought across the street with her. James's coffee is too strong for me. I bring my own. Let's share. As they began to chat, Betty's concerns grew for the birds in the backyard and the kids with BB guns. Betty had been feeding birds for years, and if word got around the bird community that her neighborhood wasn't safe, her little friends might go elsewhere. Are, are the kids quite okay with those guns? She cautiously asked. Oh, yes, they've all gotten deer already, well, except for the smallest one. Several of them have shot antelope and elk already. They are good with guns. They aren't cruel with them. Whatever they shoot, we eat. Your pretty little birds aren't worth eating, June answered. Hey, the steaks are ready, kids. Come on, James yelled. Miss Betty, please join us for steak. It's all ready and there's plenty. As they sat down to eat, Betty noticed something off about her steak. James, dear, I've, I've never seen steak quite like this before. What kind is it? One of the littler girls piped up. Oh, it's antelope. Look, here's the head of the antelope. We're eating. And sure enough, she had a stuffed antelope head with her, which she then sat on the floor. This was a bit of culture shock for Betty, but she was polite. It's a, a, a beautiful one, my dear. Good, good, good job. Still, Betty wasn't sure if she liked the flavor, and each time she took a bite, the antelope head on the floor seemed to stare at her accusingly. Betty wasn't sure what to do. She was caught between politeness and her gag reflex that seemed to be getting stronger with each glance in the direction of the antelope she was currently chewing in her mouth. She had never looked square in the eye of anything she was eating before. It was an unnerving experience, and she was not sure what to do. So she prayed, Lord, help me. Just then, God answered her prayers when Steve texted that he was home from work. Oh, James, dear, Steve is home. I should go make him his dinner. It's a pity, as your antelope is so tasty. So sorry to not be able to stay. 
I hope you have a great visit here in Raytown. She arrived at the house so happy that she had escaped at just that moment. Huge RVs and children with guns and antelope steaks was about all Betty could handle in a day. However, soon after dinner, her doorbell rang and the Montana kids were all at her door. Miss Betty, we want to invite you over tomorrow for another cookout. We will have elk and look Here's the elk I shot. One of the children presented a huge elk's head. Betty nearly fainted in shock. She didn't know what to say. She shouldn't lie, but she also shouldn't be rude. She immediately made plans to go visit the local nursing home the next day and said, I'm, I'm sorry, kids, but I have to go visit the nursing home tomorrow. The kids looked disappointed, so Betty said, would you like some cake and milk? And immediately, five kids streamed into the house. The littlest one was pretty little, so Betty put her on her lap and helped her with her cake. Betty noticed that the oldest one was so gentle and kind to the younger ones. Steve took the boys into the backyard to show them his tomatoes. After a while, one of the smaller girls put her hand on Betty's leg and said, Would you be... Our Raytown Grandma? Betty knew then and there that kids were kids and people were people, and Jesus told her to love her neighbors and even her enemies. Betty said, Of course I will, honey. Then you'll join us for elk tomorrow? Please, it's so yummy, and Jimmy shot it for us all to enjoy. Betty was still scared of eating elk, but the love of a child went out, and she said, Sure I will, you sweet thing. Sure, I will eat Jimmy's elk with you tomorrow. The next day, Betty worked up her courage and she and Steve walked across the street. Betty discovered to her surprise that elk was actually pretty tasty. Or was it that anything eaten and given in love was tasty? She wasn't sure, but she knew her stomach and heart were both full that night. When she was getting ready for bed, she said, Steve, maybe we should go visit Montana next summer. It sounds awfully nice out there. And they got out an atlas and started planning their summer outing to the land of elk, antelope, and their new grandchildren. Well, folks, that's it for the Raytown Roundup for now. We sure would appreciate it if you'd tell your friends and family to subscribe to the podcast. New stories will be coming out each week, and you won't want to miss them. Raytown Roundup can be enjoyed wherever podcasts are found and on the web at raytownroundup.buzzsprout.com. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you with joy, much laughter, and friendship with Jesus.